Aki! Hello, my friend. Stevie, my friend, how have you been? I have been well, I have been well. I've been eagerly anticipating Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 1. And wow. so delighted to see you again and do this with you. As am I with you, delighted. And here <laughs> we are. We're going to talk about Star Trek again, and we're going to have a great time. It's the friendship we made along the way. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I see the parallels, like you and I, and also Mm -hmm. the characters in the show. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Exactly. Well, listen, we could do this all day, but maybe we should start the show. Let's start the show. Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. What are we doing today? What are we talking about? As if I haven't already mentioned it. Oh, well, for those of you who don't know, today's star date is star date 421616.5. And you're listening to, do we say the name of the show? Should we have done that? Yeah. You're listening to, <laughs> of Let's course we should have. Who are we? Listen, who are we? Who are we and why are we here? We are Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast, in case you hadn't figured that out yet. And we're going to be talking about the most recent episode of Star Trek, Strange New World, season two started last night. And we're talking about episode one, The Broken Circle. I'm going to run it down. We'll just chat about it. Well, let's run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down? I have missed that rundown with like 90s Nickelodeon. Wow, you've knocked me down with a feather. You really, (laughs) you fully have targeted, that's exactly, that's everything that was. Mm -hmm. Fully 90s Nickelodeon. What was their news program show that they had? It wasn't called All No idea. Anyway, that's what I was going for. Your Dugs. Yes. Your uh, Pete versus Pete. The good stuff. The good stuff. Okay, so... (laughs) Back to the matter at hand. We're going to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. End of last season, you remember, a lot of stuff happened in pretty rapid succession after a pretty joyful, shenanigan-filled, adventure-filled thing. We flash forward in time, blah, 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 blah. But also, number one, Una was taken into custody by Starfleet because it was revealed that she was an Illyrian who messed with her own genetic codes. And so that's against Starfleet regulations. And also, they encountered one Gorn on a crashed ship. One and- Gorn. <laughs> Singular. Singular Gorn. Wow. Are you? Oh, okay. Am I one? <laughs> I thought you one Gorn. Singular sensation, <laughs> every little ship they take. Doodle-doodle-doo. No, but that was worth the interjection. That's what I thought you were about to do. <laughs> uh, and so La'an, whose family was killed by the Gorn because she was in their like harvest 
clusters or whatever you call those things where they kept people. Anyway, she decided to leave because she took on the. So that's how the season ended. Cliffhanger. We begin with Enterprise in Starbase One in space dock, and the ship is being gone over by the Chief Fleet Inspector Commander. Very British name, Chief Fleet Inspector Commander Pelia and her team running comprehensive inspections. And Pike is on the line with Una, who is still Una, number one, who is still in custody. And they're curiously discussing, like, we could get so-and-so's help. And she's like, I think we should just give up and I'll accept the plea deal. And Pike's like, there's no way you're going to take a plea deal. You can't give it without a fight. It would change the whole attitude of the Enterprise. And I want you to resign. So he's going to take a couple of personal days to travel across the quadrant to go and make a personal plea to this mysterious someone who can possibly help Una in her situation so that she can get reinstated and as he does that he puts spock in as acting captain he says hey don't worry about it ship's not even gonna leave the space dock baby all you gotta do is hang out here for a couple days while i go do some business and spock's cool but also not super enthusiastic because they lost their chief engineer on the gorn planet and they lost their chief of security because of the gorn planet and so they're still limping along there even though they're in space dock and they're getting some shore leave also, what Spock doesn't mention is right after that, he goes to sickbay and he gets told by Dr. Mbanga that because he allowed himself to get angry at the Gorn in order to be able to fight it, he has broken down the cognitive blocks in his Vulcan mind. And so now he's feeling emotions even more intensely than humans do, which could be a real issue for him. He's got like high blood pressure, basically, and is grinding his teeth. But then Mbanga gives Spock a guitar lute fiddle thing for him to play and it causes him to relax a bit just there in the room but then in walks nurse chapel and spock's heart gets all thuddy thuddy and he's like i gotta excuse myself if you forgot about last season as well there's a whole thing with spock and nurse chapel where they had to kiss As Stevie said while we were watching this, <laughs> while we were co-watching this last night, hello, nurse. And yes, there's perhaps some romance is finally burgeoning between Spock and Chapel that they've been denying because Spock is was engaged as we began season one. But I think maybe that engagement fell through. I forgot to look up if that was officially annulled, that engagement. Spock and Chapel had to kiss on camera to convince this other person that they were in love or that they weren't in love, I can't remember. Anyway, hot kiss. So, yeah, they're dealing with the fallout of that. Back to the matter at hand, the bridge crew is dealing with these team people during these comprehensive inspections, and uh, no longer cadet, now Ensign Uhura, is basically telling off one of these inspectors who wants to mess with her comm station because she says she has a lot of work to do. And even as he's like, what are you talking about? I got to do the thing. She's like, oh, look, a thing just came through that I have to deal with. And it's not a regular thing. It's not routine. Cut to her interrupting acting Captain Spike in his chambers and saying that there's a distress. Acting Captain, sorry? What did I just say? Acting Captain Spock. What did I just say? Acting Captain Spike. Oh, God. I had nightmares last night about (laughs) saying Pike and Spock. And I was so relieved that Pike is barely in this episode and I already said Spike. Okay, well, if they ever have a thing where they have a transporter accident, obviously their name is going to be Spike. Acting Captain Spock. 
is playing his lute and Uhura comes in and says they've got a distress call from the Kajitar system at the edge of Klingon space. It's from La'an and it's about an anti-Federation threat on Kajitar. So Spock tries to get the Admiralty on board with this. They're like, absolutely not. Your ship is being retrofitted or whatever. Plus, we just finished this war with the Klingons, which was all about Discovery Season 1 and Season 2. And we're not going to mess with them in a way that could cause an issue. And the planet that you want to go to is a planet that the Federation and Klingons take turns being in governorship of month to month. And it's the Klingons' time. So Spock meets with his senior officers. He explains the situation. Uhura confirms that the message is genuine. Mbenga says that it could be a trap. The Admiralty forbids it. And Spock says they're going to just have to steal the Enterprise. So that is the shenanigans. That begins episode two. Then we flash to Kajitar, which... Full disclosure, we're going to talk about my nightmares. I keep thinking I'm going to say Kahito, but I'm going to try to say it right this whole time. I don't know what Kahito is. La'an is playing a drinking game with a Klingon, a blood wine drinking game. She wins, but it was all a ruse so that she could set up a meet with this Klingon bad ass named Grainax. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. And she sets it up for that night. And as she looks up, she sees Mbenga in his like cool hip. I'm just a cat hanging out on this planet that's rich with dilithium and I have nothing to do with the Federation clothes on. And so La'an goes to meet with uh, the the Enterprise people. Oh, I forgot to tell you how they stole the Enterprise. That was so dumb. I got very excited with Kahitar. Oh, did I do it? Yes. Yeah, they try to do a coolant leak thing. And it convinces all the inspectors and all the the crew of the ship to evacuate. But uh, this commander, Pelia, this person running the diagnostics, is not convinced, actually goes to the bridge and says, hey, if you're trying to simulate a cooler link, you're not even doing it right. You got to start venting plasma, which once they do actually convince Starbase One to release the docking clamp so they can fly away. And Pelia is intrigued that Spock is in command because she knows his mother, Amanda Grayson. And Pelia also mentions that it's been a hundred years since she was the engineer on a ship. A hundred years, but she just looks like an old human woman lady. She says it's a very long story, but Uhura identifies her as a Lanthanite. And do we know what Lanthanites are? We don't. And I Googled it, and no one does. And she says, I'll tell you more about that later. Gets in the turbo lift, and that's how they get to Kajitar. La'an explains basically what's been happening on this planet is this was a rich dilithium planet. There there are she followed the parents of Oriana, the child they saved in the Gorn ship, to this planet. But after the war, there is a syndicate here made up of soldiers from both sides of the war called the Broken Circle. And the Broken Circle find that it would be better business for this dilithium-rich planet if the war were to restart. And so they are trying to restart the war. And a couple of days ago, there was an explosion at the dilithium mine. A couple of days ago, there was an explosion at the dilithium mine. Killer Romulan, warrior nuns, and the residents of the settlement have become sick with ion poisoning, which we all know is not something you get from raw dilithium, but only from the byproduct of photon torpedo explosions. Yes, there's a whole thing that's happening here, which we're going to uncover slowly, but Mbenga and Chapel decide to go to the medical area, the medical tent, to help treat these townspeople, while Spock and Ahura accompany La'an to the meet. Mbenga and Chapel go. They're greeted by 
Oriana, yay, she's happy to see them again. And they treat her parents. And then they're confronted by a Klingon and two humans. And they're like, hey, you got medical tech. We're kind of in need of your services. And Mbenga and Chapel are like, oh, maybe we don't want to help you. And then they pull their weapons on them. They're like, actually, you don't have a choice. You will help us. And so they get kidnapped. Meanwhile, Laon's rendezvous with this Gray Max fella goes pretty darn well. She shows up with a case of some phasers. It's half as many as she said she would bring. But she says, hey, you can take these or you can leave them. And he goes, fine. And then she goes, actually, I'm going to give you half, but I want double. And he goes, say, what? what? What if I just take those from you? And then she says, what if I trigger this antimatter detonation switch I have in my hand and I take your legs off? And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe we'll do business again in the future. And she's cool. What do you need this for? And he's like, cool. I'm not going to tell you. And then he walks away. And then later, La'an is, oh, the switch is a thing I made up. It's not even a thing. It was just a bluff. But Uhura's like, okay, so they're buying Federation weapons. Maybe we should tell Starfleet. Spock says, we're not going to do that until we have incontrovertible truth. Because I don't want to talk to the admirals again. Though I have said, because they're going to kick my ass. So they call up to Chief J on the Enterprise, who reports that while having their signal... They haven't had a signal from Mbenga and Chapel in over an hour. I wonder why. Da, da, da. I was just going to keep bouncing back and forth until that got hit. Got it. Mbe- <laughs> you, and you know what? We're still cooking. Mbenga and Chapel are brought to a giant cave. Inside of the cave, guess what? Federation ship. How did they get into the ship? Mbenga's like, I think the Broken Circle might have built this bad boy. They're forced inside of the ship, forced to treat an injured Klingon. There are ion burns on this Klingon, conducive with the idea of them being photon torpedoes. It is revealed that Mbenga once worked on the moon of Jigal during the Battle of Shakana, when there was so much blood in the air that the rain turned red. So he knows about Klingon physiology. They heal the Klingon. He goes back to work. Chapel comes over and is like, hey, you're right. And Benga's like, oh, let's bring back memories of the Klingon war, which I don't like to think about, which made me think, stepping outside of the story, Aki here. Wow. Remember how Michael is responsible for there being a Klingon war? Anyway, back into the story. They're like, we have to warn the Federation about this false flag mission that's probably going to go off their gap. They got weapons. They got a ship that looks like an enter, like a Federation ship. We got to get to a calm place. And they're like, if there is like a transponder or something, it's going to be up on the bridge. How do we get there? And Mbenga's like, how about we use this green stuff I carry with me everywhere, which apparently they're calling it a in the official. I looked it up to see if there was like a name for it. And I couldn't find a name for what this ingredient is, but they're calling it a stimulant, which causes people's reflexes to happen faster. I put all that in air quotes because I think it's cocaine. It's space cocaine. It's green, juicy space cocaine. So cocaine. I like saying cocaine because it's funny to me. But yes, cocaine. (laughs) It's green space cocaine. They put it in their veins. Their eye, their pupils dilate, their veins come out of the side of their eyes, and they, Nurse Chapel and Dr. Mbenga kick the ever-loving shit out of, like, 14 Klingons. Mbenga, in fact, interrogates one and almost chokes it to death in order to find out how many people there are, what the plan is for the mission, and where the transponder is. He does find it out, knocks them out, they go upstairs, they get the transponder, and Benga's able to put a short message on it that basically is able to tell the Enterprise what to do in case they find the ship. As he's able to do that, though, more Klingons show up, so they have to fight their way through the Klingons, and they do that, catching many wounds and stuff themselves, but knocking the hell out of... So I would say, like, maybe a score of Klingons get completely wrecked by the nurse and the doctor in with bare hands 
fully barehanded. So whatever this green juice space cocaine is, it's the shit. They managed to fight their way into an airlock, dead end, quite literally, baby. And once in there, they close the door and they have a few minutes. But as they're about to try to figure out what to do, that ship starts to take off. That is when we cut back to the Enterprise. The Enterprise is hiding in an asteroid belt. They see a Klingon warbird fly in, which is as it should be, because the Klingons are in charge of this planet right now. But then they also see the ship that looks like an, like a Federation ship taking off from the surface, and they get this message in the transponder, which says to them, Enterprise, destroy this ship. Dun, dun, dun. Spock doesn't want to kill the lady that isn't his girlfriend yet, and he doesn't have his loot on the bridge right now, so he can't calm down. So he's got a decision to make while they're inside this asteroid belt before this false flagship can engage with the Klingon ship. While that's happening, Mbanga and Chapel look around for maybe, maybe there's some spacesuits in this airlock and we can just get out of here real quick and easy. Instead, all they find is a helmet and a jetpack. The helmet, useless, except that it has a beacon in it. The jetpack, they can use to maybe get clear of the ship. And so Mbanga's like, we can do that. I can use the beacon and the helmet as a signal and the attitude thrusters can get us clear. Yes, we'll be dead after a minute, but we'll pass out after 15 seconds and maybe the Enterprise will pick us up after they destroy the ship. Ortegas is driving the Enterprise in pursuit of this false Federation ship as it's trying to come out of the asteroid belt to be discovered for this false flag mission. Spock is delaying on firing on the Federation ship. Eventually, both are spotted by the Klingon cruiser, which turns to try and engage with them. Mbenga and Chapel triggered the airlock. They're flushed out into space. They lose consciousness and are covering things. An anguished Spock, not knowing what is going to happen, he orders them to fire on the ship. The ship is destroyed. Spock weeps in the chair, but then Uhura gets the beacon and they beam the doctor and Chapel on board. Spock runs to the transporter room and Banga is conscious, but Chapel is not breathing. Spock does CPR while begging Chapel not to die. Chapel comes through and wipes away a single tear from Spock's eyes, saying, why you gotta be so hard on me? And that's when Uhura says that the Klingons are hailing them. Captain Dechak demands an explanation. And Spock gives the full explanation about the false flag mission. But Dechak is like, why should I believe you? I only believe a, a man I can look directly in his eyes. And Spock says, maybe we should do that on the surface over a barrel of blood wine. A blood wine to which Dechak says he would be delighted to do. They go down to the surface. Spock is drinking blood wine, trying to fit in with his frat buddies from Klingon University. Uh, he also has some time to talk to Pelia at the bar, who thanks Spock for getting her out of the academy. Spock says he's fascinated by Lanthanites, who lived among humans undetected until the 22nd century. Pelia explains that Amanda, Spock's mother, was the first person she came out to, but that's a tale for another time. She decides to stay on the Enterprise as a cure for boredom. Spock is called back over to drink more with the chalk. La'an, when asked what she will do by Oriana, seeing Spock standing there with blood wine on his face, trying to look cool seems to make up her mind as to what she wants to do. Spock gets a dressing down the next morning as he's hungover from Admiral April, but he explains that he was following his gut. After that, Spock goes to visit Chapel in sickbay, who is unconscious but stable, and Banga says she'll be fine, and Spock says he has no words to describe how he feels, so he returns to his quarters to go a loot playing. Meanwhile, the end of the episode, on Starbase 1, April and Commodore Tofoon? Tofune? I don't know. He might have said his name and I just wrote it down. Anyway, he says he thinks April, April lets Spock slide. And April says he's one of our best people. And we need people like that if this war is going to come to pass. What war, you ask? Well, as they pan away from the two commanders conversing, we see a map display with an unidentified object nearing Federation space. And it is possibly a <gasps> Gorn ship. 
And here endeth episode one of season two of Star Trek Change New Worlds, The Broken Circle. Let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes, yes, let's do. Well, what are your first thoughts? Oh, my God. So, full disclosure, we watched this at the same time remotely yesterday. But I have every thought I have is my first thought. Mm-hmm. First, th- backwards, the Gorn. Oh, shit. One Gorn, as I said at the beginning of the rundown, fucked up this whole team. And I don't curse a lot. But that Gorn fucked up the whole Enterprise crew. And now uh, maybe a full war with the Gorn? That's bonkers, crazy, international, can't deal with it. What about new characters? I was super excited about Carol Kane, although I did not entirely know if she was supposed to be a sort of Jewish grandmother or some sort of Macbethian witch or possibly your aunt from Queens. Thoughts? I'm fully in the why can't it be all of those, all of the above. Yes. (laughs) She's an ancient alien grandmother from Queens who knows how to cook a mean matzo ball soup and also how to turn dilithium ore into a fissionable material. Definitely giving me like a sort of Yiddish gynon. For 100%. And when they said she was a lathanite, I was like, oh, maybe that's something I'm forgetting from TNG from like season two when Guinan showed up. But Guinan is an Elorian, as I recall. That's right. But she also has, and the listeners, as they're called, but she also has been on the planet for hundreds of years. So I wonder, A, if there's any Elorian lanthanite crossover, and B, what the lanthanite's deal is. If they've just been, are they observers, or what's their deal? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they hang out with Mark Twain? <laughs> Very possibly. Now, I'm wondering, who... Who, Aki? Who? Who? Who was who was Una and Captain Pike talking about at the beginning of the episode when he says he's going to go off and find this person, this lawyer who's going to help get Una out of trouble? Well, this is what I said yesterday. I feel like the next, so this first episode, crazy shenanigans, Spock and Charge, Spock and Chapel. And this next episode is going to be completely procedural courtroom drama in mm-hmm. space with Ideally, it would be, who's the attorney from Law and Order? You think they could get her to be a guest star as, I don't know, space attorney? That was just a goofy thing I thought of. Yeah, I don't know who this is. If it's a character that we know, who would it be? Do you not think it might be, who is Admiral, what's her face? So, she's probably not alive yet. Ah, Don't know. Who would be alive in this time period that we would know of? I don't know. We have, we know the one Admiral who's dead from Discovery Times, but she was a psychologist. I'm trying to think of who's a lawyer. Do you think it might be the, a character from Enterprise the Show? I can't think of a lawyer though. Ooh. Ooh. Would it be to, to Paul? It could be to Paul. It's the only person who would be old enough to really. To power to Paul. To Paul. apostrophe P-O-L, as I recall. That's a great question. T'Pol was a scientist, not a lawyer, but who knows? Oh, I guess. And you maybe want somebody who knows stuff about genetics, because this is all about genetic manipulation. It's all about genetic manipulation. That's the word I'm looking for. Genetic manipulation, let's say. Modification? Modification was the word I was looking for. Trying to say manipulation and modification at the same time, and it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to the next episode. I have a feeling it's going to be either we're getting Una out or we're doing a jailbreak thing. I don't think it'll be a jailbreak. Because then she could, like, what? I don't think it's going to be a jailbreak. Could be. 
<laughs> you do love to go for the the out there scenarios. I just like it because if the one in 100 chance that I'm right, it's going to feel so great when I'm like, oh, you didn't think it was going to be Lorca, but it's Lorca. He is the Gorn. Okay, what else? The Spock Chapel romance? Mm-hmm. Heating up. Heating up. <laughs> Heating up. Feel that heat. <laughs> do you? you feel the heat? Heating up. I do like doing that. That's more fun than <laughs> I thought it would be. That's the thing I'm going to steal from you immediately. <laughs> yes, it is heating up. I feel that heat. Lots of tears for Spock in this episode. Per capita. He cried almost three times. He must be dehydrated. He oh, must be deeply him. dehydrated. This new haircut they're giving him is very boyish. Yes, he does. They are making him seem much younger, which I think maybe is deliberate mm. to help him and Chapel look more compatible. So he doesn't look quite so much an old, stodgy Vulcan. I don't know. That was my thought. Because now he kind of looks like, huh, I don't know. I have so many feelings. He's got like a weird part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think Nurse Chapel likes me? I'm Spock. <laughs> <laughs> that was very Nickelodeon 1990s. That was like Urkel. Yeah. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Enterprise. That's, I agree. Very hot romance heating up there. And then finally, I would say you can feel free to bring other stuff up, but. Dr. Mbanga, killer, killer, human warrior doctor? Mm. Yes. I suspect. Do you, do you think? Now, now, here's me with my own conspiracy theory. Yes! It's section 31. So well, is that your theory? <laughs> yes, that's my theory. That during the Klingon War, they were in section 31. Oh, Mbanga and Chapel, because they both were like, oh, yeah, let's take yep. this drug. I would believe that because they're camaraderie. They definitely are not just fucking doctors. You know what I mean? They whooped ass. They're not just fucking doctors, man. Okay. All right. See what happens. You curse all the time. <laughs> Nobody talks about it. I drop two <laughs> F-bombs and suddenly it's a big deal. <laughs> yes, you're correct. I do drop uh, all the F-bombs. What I'm saying is they really jacked those people up. And they were like pretty nonchalant. Like, do we have to do it? I don't want to. All right, let's do it. And they like just a two-person wrecking squad. There's, They got to dig deeper into mm-hmm. that. That's what I'm saying. So maybe Section 31. Yeah. Well, okay, great. Well, I can't wait. I'm sure Lorca's going to make an appearance this season. We go now immediately to Stevie Mans at the Easter Egg Desk. Stevie, how are you doing today? Well, hi there, Augie. Hi there. It's so good to be here and see you again. I have missed you. I am here. I am here at the set of Season 2 Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Season 2 Episode 1, The Broken Circle. And do I have some Easter eggs for you? Yes, I do. I love this voice. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So let's start with the opening credits. For the most part, they pretty Uh much matched with Season 1, but there were a few sequences of the Enterprise flying close to the surface of a planet and another where asteroids bounce off the shields. Those were new. And also a few shots from Season 1 credits are subtly inverted. In season one, we saw the Enterprise fly through what we thought was a field of icy space rocks. But here we see a similar shot where all the space rocks, space rocks look very hot. And similarly, the ship passes near a transparent dome. Season one had a tropical environment underneath, but in season two, it looks like a snowy peak. Mm. So perhaps it's just indicating the changing of the seasons. <laughs> Who knows? We shall see what another season brings for us. We're going to find a way to win because it's what's right. There's the Boy Scout in you again. You may recall number one says, there's the Boy Scout in you again. 
when Pike says he's going to fight for mm-hmm. what's right. This is a roundabout reference to Kirk in The Wrath of Khan, when I think it was David referred to Kirk as an overgrown mm. Boy Scout, although Kirk was never a Boy Scout and never really acted like Hello, him, he didn't. In my mind, he didn't. But there you go. The origin of Spock's Vulcan loot or Vulcan harp or mm-hmm. lyre, whatever we think this type of thing is. So in real life, the prop was designed for the original series by Hua Chang, a brilliant prop maker, model maker, mask maker, who built and designed several objects for the original series, including the classic tricorder, oh. the Romulan bird of prey, mm-hmm. the M113 Zolt Salt vampire, fun, and the classic Gorn. Mm. So Spock's harp is a big deal throughout Trek canon, as I'm sure you are well aware, Aki. Yes, indeed. Appearing for the first time in the episode Charlie X and in Spock's hands for the last time in The Final Frontier. But from Voyager to Lower Decks, this classic fictional instrument is everywhere in Trek canon. And a little bit later in the episode, Uhura shows interest in Spock playing his loot lyre thing, foreshadowing their occasional collaborations in TOS. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was rather fun. That was lovely. Yeah. That was lovely, wasn't it? Let's see. Chapel's interest in archaeological medicine. She thinks, she tells him, Banger, that she thinks she wants to go off to Vulcan for a two month sabbatical, I suppose. Sabbatical, yeah. Indeed, which is a huge Easter egg for the TOS episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Which is in, technically in the future for Strange New Worlds, but we learn that Chapel's ex fiance, Roger Corby, was the most renowned expert on archaeological medicine mm. in the Federation. Will Strange New Worlds introduce Roger this season? Who knows? Will Strange New Worlds introduce Roger? Roger. 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 Um, Uhuro's Uhuro, Uhura's promotion. Speaking Mm -hmm. of Uhura, as we did, she is no longer wearing the cadet style badge. She is now a full ensign. And Celia Rose Gooding is also wearing small green earrings similar to the one she wore in the season one finale, Equality of Mercy. And at that time, these emulated a similar style worn by Nichelle Nichols in Mm. TOS. And yes, TO. And in fact, should we do a should we do a little moment for Nichelle? Are you prepared? We just want to salute. This is a not this is not a fictional character. It's a, a real human being, Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura on the original series. She was an icon of the times and an icon throughout her years. She passed before this first episode came out. And at the end of this episode, there's a little epigraph to her, which reads, For Nichelle, who was first through the door and showed us the stars. No question, Nichelle Nichols had faith of the heart. Yeah. Now that was a serious Beautiful. memorial, but man, it's really hard to stay serious listening to that music. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Well, that's everything here from the Easter Eggs decks. Aki, it is back to you in the studio. Thank you very much, Stevie. I have just tried to get out of that into this other. Yes, let's go on to quotable moments. Quotable moments. Yes, if you got a couple quotable moments. I forgot to write mine down. 
This is me doing. Who's that? Who's Tom? What's his name? Who actually played a Star Trek character Jean-Luc Picard when he was You're young? About, he was a yeah, clone. Tom Hardy. Hardy. That's Tom right, Hardy. Tom Hardy, and when he's in, uh, you know, the, uh, the sneak, Peaky Blind, not, not Sneaky Blind. When he's blinders, in Peaky Blind. Peaky Blinders, that's him doing, blinders. he sounds like, yeah, he's got a cold all the time. He's always he's got a cold. South London. That's yeah. right, he's from the South London, he's got a cold. And he that's says, it. you Peaky Blinders folks, maybe we could work something out. Like that. <laughs> that's actually very good, well done. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll read off a couple. We were throwing a few back and forth as we were watching last night. I do love when Spock is hung over at the end and he's talking to Admiral April. And Admiral April is like, after I explicitly ordered you not to go, you risked hundreds of lives and you risked the peace of the quadrant. And Spock goes, if you could lower the volume of your voice, Admiral. And he says, my God, are you hung over, Spock? And also, uh, he said this a couple times the one that I wrote down is he, when asked why he did this, he says, I was, as you humans say, following my gut. But I think he also earlier on says something about, I'm having what you humans say, you humans call a hunch. He's very much into the what you humans are, would call. He's following his gut this episode, being captain. Dangerous business. Mm-hmm. There's a cute moment between Chapel and. Mbanga, before they launch themselves out of the airlock and almost kill themselves. Well, there's a cute moment where Mbanga says, we'll die in a minute, but don't, after a minute, but don't worry, we'll pass out after 15 seconds. But uh, right before they go out, Chapel says, I can't believe this is how we're going to die. And Mbanga says, we've gotten out of worse, which maybe supports your theory about section 31. Yes. Yeah. And... Mbanga, and Chapel says no, not really. And Mbanga says, I suppose not. But anyway, they're ready. They're ready. That's a that's another two hander I'd watch. And oh no, I never wrote this one down. But you texted it when she said it when Spock goes over to uh, to Pelia after they're he's on the planet and they're drinking blood wine, and he says, I've always been so fascinated by your the Lanthanites, and she says. Oh, you get a couple of drinks, a couple of drinks and you get personal. Oh, yes. You literally texted that to me and I just found it. So that's your quotable moment. How do you like that? Thank you very much. I love them apples. <laughs> How do you like them apples? And <laughs> hey, that's enough quotable moments for this one. Let's move on to next time. Next time on Set Phasers. Next time on Set Phasers, we'll be talking about episode two of season two entitled Ad Astra Per Aspera. To the stars something for other people. D- despite adversity, but yes, that is... <laughs> to the stars something other people. Yes. Ad Astra, so ad, to ad Astra Per for something. And mm-hmm. Yeah, Ad Astra, you got it. You have you 50% got it. Failed Latin. Latin failed. You didn't fail it. You got it. Well, I guess 50 is failing. The, yes. Got a hat. I actually got 30%, I believe, in oh, my no. end of year exam when I decided not to take Latin forward. Oh, gosh. Or was I'm... also recommended not to take Latin forward. Okay. Well, you're dumps. in agreement. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
<clears throat> well, yeah, we'll be talking about that second episode. Listen, if you liked what you heard, and I can't imagine that you didn't, you can catch all the back episodes of Set Phasers wherever you get your podcast from. We're on all the things and all the apps, and we would love it if you listen to them and share them with your friends. Do share them with your friends. If you love Star Trek and you love what we're doing, we would very much appreciate it. And you can find us on all of the things at Set Phasers and at Set Phasers Podcast. We're also on Instagram at... Oh, wait, did you just say that? I just did that, kind of. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Okay, fine. Mean goes, game just, strong gone. What do I have to say? Oh, Patreon. We have a oh, Patreon. Yeah. Did we you do say have Patreon? Patreon? No, I didn't. We do have okay. a Patreon. Join us on the Patreon. We can, we can get access to all things behind the scenes. Set phases, highly illogical Star Trek podcasts. Become a lieutenant. Become an ensign. Become a cadet. Become anything that you like. But come with us on Patreon for more. Just don't become late for dinner. Mm, uh. Indeed. Well, that's it from us. I am Stevie Mans. Thank you so much for listening. And I am going to let my blood scream. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer! Computer, where are you? Computer! End program! Computer! <laughs>